This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal News Show. Joining you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Thank you so much, as always, for making us a part of your morning routines. Without further ado, let's go on today's show, though, of course. And welcome, everybody, joining us live in this morning's chat box. Uh, good morning to you, Matt G. Good morning to Peter. <clears throat> good morning to David, Carl, Paul. We've got Amira, Rich, Stephen. Uh, we've got David, who's asking for score predictions for tomorrow. I mean, that's just that's just... It's just tempting fate, mate. It's just tempting fate. I don't want to hear any predictions. But if you do want to hear some predictions, you can go and watch our preview show uh, from a couple of days ago. Um, Amira says, I sent, a, I sent a TGT rant coming from some of the headlines. Maybe we might get onto a, a bit of a rant this morning. Uh, Yomi, good morning to you, to Olu. Uh, good morning to Tony, to Temi, to Sandman. Good morning to Johnny. Uh, Gunna Dude, Nav, Lars, Red Star, Granddaddy Guna, Grand Jacka Guna. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic paul uh barb's your uncle good morning to you uh, abu kung jose uh and steve thank you so much guys as always for making this a part of your morning routines drop a like on the video subscribe to the channel if you are indeed new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show shane doolan thank you so much for becoming a brand new member and helping to support the channel welcome to the tgt family i can already see people in the chat box welcoming you into the fold as well which is great uh yes yeah, still very much trying to not whispering but uh keeping the voice to a dull roar uh it might be a dull roar a little bit later on let's get on then uh arsenal's under 21s unfortunately lost yesterday to fulham it's becoming a little bit of a, a slow treacherous kind of dull uh in some senses end of the season arsenal need to be careful um because they are even though leicester city's under 21s are on 12 points after losing 20 uh yeah 20 uh no not 21 13 games uh arsenal sitting uh above spurs by just eight uh eight points currently 29 to spurs is 21 who are second bottom of the pl2 table they need to be careful because even though they've dropped off of the the pace of the leaders, Man City, they need to make sure that they are 
certainly improving a lot better than what we're seeing here. Now, West Ham United are 10th at the moment uh, in 24 points. They will play West Ham, of course, the under-18s uh, in the uh, Youth Cup final. So that's one to keep an eye on. And there's uh, certainly some question marks around the Chelsea game because of the Youth Cup final. So the Chelsea game is supposed to be played on the 29th of April on a Saturday at 5.30. Now, that's actually the same date that the Youth Cup final is set for, and the Youth Cup final is being held at the Emirates. So something's going to have to change, um, whether that's the Premier League game, whether that's the uh, the Youth Cup final. You also have to remember that the coronation's the week after, so there's going to be a lot of police practicing uh, going on in the week prior to the coronation as well. So there could be some changes afoot regarding fixtures. Um, we'll keep you updated if anything is indeed officially announced. But as of yet, I've been told that no decision has yet been made, but we're still waiting for official confirmation. Um, Arsenal have said that they will, of course, be playing Burnley next season after Vincent Company managed to promote his side from the Championship at the first time of asking an amazing achievement. By Vincent Company, Arsenal will again travel to Turf Moor. Uh, not of not the same Burnley, of course, that we faced under Sean Dyche. A very different Burnley indeed, but one that will pose very different challenges for Arsenal next season. Uh, now, Milan are said to want to keep Arsenal target Brahim Diaz, currently on loan, of course, from Real Madrid. Discussions are said to be ongoing between Milan and Real Madrid about a permanent deal in the summer. Arsenal, according to reports in Spain, are one of the teams that are interested in potentially signing Brahim Diaz. And so, of course, we'll have to compete with Milan for the Spanish international's future in the summer. Now, Mikel Arteta did face his Piers and his media, uh, the press conference earlier on uh, yesterday, half one in the afternoon, he turned around to face the media, was asked plenty of questions. Um, we'll come on to the team news in a little bit. He talked a lot about the um, the Liverpool game, as you would expect, because he was asked about the the approach, the uh, the speakers, the Anfield um, chanting that was used as well. Um <laughs> and he kind of just admitted that it's important that you he used a he used a line. I don't think this is I don't know if it's on the official page. It's not. It's come out late last night. But he used a line that was something on the lines of, "If you can't get out the zoo, or if you yeah, if you can't get out the zoo, you won't make it in the jungle or something like that." It was a rather funny comment. Um, but basically, he means like. Um, if you don't practice, if you can't survive in the zoo, you've got no chance in a jungle. If you can't train and get it sorted and do what you need to do in training, you've got no um, chance in the jungle. I found the quote. Here you go. You cannot train the players in the zoo and then go to the jungle on Sunday. It's impossible. If you want to isolate only a context that is about an atmosphere you're going to live in, then they should not shoot on goal. Uh, because if they have to shoot on goal on Sunday, don't shoot on goal on Thursday just in case you miss. You have to prepare the players. You have to tell them what they're going to be facing and you have to recognize that and of course he faced a little bit of criticism I think from the speakers um, that were emanating around London Colney during that period I was listening to the Arsenal Vision podcast and Tim Stillman made a very astute uh, assessment of the of a fair bit of criticism actually around the idea that he maybe imposed his own fears imposed his own concerns onto his players and that maybe bled into the game last season I think it's a fair point to make. It'd be interesting to see how, obviously, we deal with this one this time around. It's a very different Arsenal team. It's a very different Liverpool team. I think if Arsenal can get an early goal and quieten down the Anfield crowd, we're going to have a lot, lot more hope uh, of getting a result. Now, he did interestingly speak uh, about 
the team news and the fitness. He says there are no real changes with the rest of the players who were still injured. Now, those players, of course, as we know, are Nketiah and Saliba. He goes on to say, we have some hope with one of them tomorrow. Maybe he's able to train. And when he was asked whether or not he would tell us who that person is, he said no. Um, now, it could be either one of Eddie Nketiah or Saliba. because, And the reason why it could be either one of them is because... Eddie Nketiah has been outside. He has been recovering in a way in which he's outside on the grass and he's doing some running, doing some ball work, as far as I've been told. So it could be him that he's talking about. However, what Mikel Arteta did say last week about William Saliba is that it's an injury that they would be managing day by day. And when you have a consideration for a player that's got a back problem where, as he described last week, these injuries kind of... These injuries kind of develop by day. You have to see how they evolve, see how a player reacts. They're going to push it. I I would lean towards it being Saliba because of the way in which he's already talked about being a day-to-day kind of management of this problem. But uh, it ultimately is, is, there's no way of knowing. For me, I don't think I'd even risk Saliba. Um, I really, I really wouldn't. I think if you can take him and put him on the bench and maybe you can bring him on in the second half to get some minutes, maybe. I'm not sure I'd I'd risk him and then potentially injure him for a longer period of time. I'd rather rest him up, get him ready and play as many games before the end of the campaign. That's that's where I lean more towards. So, yeah, it's it's certainly not. Dan, it's not El Nenny because El Nenny, as far as I've been made aware, is going to be out until the rest of the season. So, no, it's not going to be El Nenny. But a lot of people in the chat book seems to think it's Eddie. Um, John says it's definitely Saliba, guys, I promise. <laughs> um, we might find out more uh, a little bit later on today. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, fingers crossed Saliba uh, re- recovers and is fully fit. Like, if he's fully fit and he plays, great. But if there's a risk associated with playing him, I don't think I'd play him. That's just where I'm at on that one. Now, um, the thing I want to finish on today, this is probably going to take up a few minutes of your time, (laughs) uh, is an article yesterday came up by Tom Gibbs of The Telegraph, which spoke rather scathingly uh, of Arsenal, of some, I should say, of some Arsenal fans, um, specifically about uh, what he describes as the re-emergence of the insufferable Arsenal fan. Um, now I'm always conscious, of course, that I live in this world of, um, the fact that I'm a writer as well and that I'm a journalist and who knows where my career might take me and stuff. But I also feel that there's always going to be part of me that no matter where I am, where I'm working, what I'm doing, that at the, the bottom line is I'm an Arsenal fan. And so I read things like I read Ian Doyle of the Liverpool Echo, like I read this from Tom Gibbs. And I just get this sense of that Arsenal in particular just kind of create just something that winds people up more than any other club, it seems. Because whether it's Spurs or whether it's Manchester United or whether it's Chelsea or whether it's Man City, and let's be real, Chelsea and Man City supporters have been blessed with incredible success in the last 20 years. And it's all come from what I would describe as an artificial growth of that financial benefit that they've got. And the entitlement of some of those supporters as well, based upon where they've where that kind of success has come from, I think there's a hypocrisy to then look at Arsenal, a club that you look at and go, how have they got to the top of the table? Well, they've got to the top of the table by going into um, they've got to the top of the table by going into great recruitment, getting in and taking a risk on a young coach with an attachment to the club to restore 
an element of um, principles, uh, of the non-negotiables, and the way in which Arsenal have got to where they are can only be appreciated. Now, I should say that at the end of this article, there are, of course, um, rather complementary things um, about Arsenal as well. The the last paragraph in particular, uh, Tom writes, yeah, if you put down your phone and step back into the real world, going to watch Arsenal has become fun. The profile of the typical fan has changed with a use, use it or lose it rule uh, on season tickets, creating a notif- uh, noticeably youthful and more diverse fan base than most in London. You cannot even roll your eyes about the style of football anymore with Mikel as team joyous to watch. They are quick and cutting in attack where Wenger's and Unai Emery's sides became ponderous. In Bakaya Saka, they also have a talisman who is who it is impossible to dislike, much like Thierry Henry before him, unless you are Irish, um, which is obviously very funny. Um, and I think that, you know, there are there are some good, fun quips, and this, it's a really well-written piece. You know, a lot of people will read this and go, oh, it's a lot of rubbish. Now, as a, as a writer myself, I can read this and actually take things from it and advice from it and writing techniques from it that will make me a better writer. However, the issue I have with it is I just think it's too generalizing of some fans. Um, I think the YouTube brigade comment, I mean, obviously I take that quite to heart because the last comment in this says, of course, you, if you ignore the YouTube brigade, most reasonable Arsenal fans are taking nothing for granted. They are enjoying it. And if you support any other football team at this time of season, that is absolutely infuriating. Now, you know, obviously that generalization cuts a bit deep with me because I consider myself part of what you would describe as a YouTube brigade. Now, you might for some people say that's AFTV or some other channels, right? Now, we all know that I've spoken at length about AFTV. I've talked about the good. I've talked about the bad. I've talked about the efforts made in recent times to improve that channel and to become less of what it was before and to become more of a I think a much better place with some really good people on it, like James and Turkish and Graham and people like that. And more, of course, and our good friend judges and Dan Potts and people like that who I get on well with and like. And I think a lot of effort's been made to really improve things there. And I think there is still generalizations made about aspects of the Arsenal online fan base like AFTV. Um, What I took a bit of an issue with in the first couple of paragraphs was a reference to Jacob Murphy's appearance on Rio Ferdinand's Vibe channel. Now, Arsenal fan... Joel Bayer uh, is one of the presenters on that show. And I've done if you've watched this, I recommend you watch it. It's always good to see and hear uh, what other footballers in the Premier League think about Arsenal. And there's a good section about um, Arsenal from Jacob Murphy in that piece. Now, when he says Arsenal, basically Joel turns around and says like, yes, say it louder for the people at the back sort of thing. Just like a jokey comment of which... Uh, stay, I think it is, turns around and it's like, why? Like, why are you reacting like that? And at the end of the day, I don't think that's anything. I don't think that's anything to generate enough of a response because that's the first example here that's used in the piece. That's the first thing that's kind of riled Tom to write this article, it seems. And I think it's a really nothing kind of throwaway moment in what was an overall really good discussion with Jacob Murphy. And why shouldn't Arsenal fans be excited? Why shouldn't Arsenal fans, you know, why shouldn't Arsenal fans get the opportunity to be a little bit um, antagonising, if you like? That's part of football. It's part of what I've enjoyed for years. You know, back in the day when Arsenal were really successful, it never used to be about the infighting. The last decade plus of supporting Arsenal has been infighting, 
It's been fans going at one another. It's been effectively a civil war in the own fan base, whether it's talking about Wenger, whether it's talking about Emery, whether it was for talking about Arteta or Aubameyang or Ozil. You know, all of these things culminated in a civil war within the Arsenal fan base. And it wasn't an enjoyable place to be. And now we're finally getting back to a place where actually we're focusing on our the tribalism of the banter between you know, Arsenal fans, United fans, and Spurs fans, and Chelsea fans, Liverpool fans, you know, and that's where you want to be. You want to be in a place where you go down the pub and you take the mick out of your Spurs mates or your Liverpool mates or your Chelsea mates, or you go online and you can have a chat. As long as it's as long as it's not abusive, and that's always going to be the line, as long as it never crosses that line of it being abusive, there's nothing wrong with it. So I don't really get I don't really get why it's triggered, why Joel's comments on that YouTube channel in particular has triggered a response like this to then go and kind of generalize the whole of the Arsenal online YouTube fan base. It's a bit of a strange one. The other example that's used is following their 4-1 uh, against Leeds, a well-spoken young chap on AFTV uh, said, uh, we never got out of second gear. We knew it was a comfortable game. We knew we didn't have to put everything into it. Um, and then a tagline of Piers Morgan is ending his Arsenal tweets with fist bump emoji. I I just can't get my head around why this has needed to be kind of attempted to... I mean, I get the idea. We're a reactive fan base. I wrote a piece the other day talking all about the reasons why Arsenal have not been fortunate. Uh, You probably, if you haven't read it, I recommend you go and and give it a read. But basically kind of highlighting how Arsenal have earned their place in the league. They're not lucky this season. Sure, we've got a little bit of luck here and there, but they're not a lucky side. It's all about what we've done to get to where we are. And, And that was based upon a reaction to suggestions. I think Ian Doyle in the Liverpool Echo was the kind of main inspiration behind that piece and kind of his words about Arsenal you know, having a very fortunate time. I've seen another, I think it was a Liverpool YouTube channel in which a guy, I can't remember the guy's name or the channel's name, so apologies, but there was another channel which basically said like they wanted Arsenal to win the league until it was pointed out to them that Arsenal winning the league this season basically denigrated Liverpool's title win a few years ago, which I found rather ludicrous, to be honest. Um, Man City are not having an what I would describe as an off-season. Man City, who have won four of the last five league titles, have then gone and added what I would believe to be the best striker in the world. And Arsenal are then going up against that. Not only that, but we've seen massive spending from teams at the bottom of the table. We've seen teams like Chelsea go out and spend 600 million. Now, if they're not playing that great, or if they're going through a transition season, so bloody what? Like, if anything, the likes of Man City, Liverpool, etc., have been fortunate that Arsenal have not been the side that they were in the late 90s and early noughties, and that the move to the Emirates Stadium hamstring them, uh, or rather us, and stopped us from being as competitive as we might have typically have been. So why on earth should we then face this criticism? Why on earth should the, quote, YouTube brigade not be throwing a little bit of, of fun into things, being a little bit arrogant, being a little bit egotistical, being a little bit... Um, big booted about things it's football that's what it's about it's about being up yourself when your team does well it's about giving it to your mates in the office it's that's what is football is and if we can't enjoy that anymore what's the point what is the point of not being able to enjoy your team's success and rubbing it in the faces of other fans that have really given us a lot of stick for years and years and years i really don't get it but 
I'm probably spending too much time on this now, but uh, it's just one of those things that really did kind of get under my skin. And I'm an Arsenal fan, so that doesn't take a lot of doing, to be fair. Anyway, thank you for listening to uh, myself as part of the YouTube Brigade. I really appreciate it. Um, Okay, let's go to part two then and your questions for the next 10 minutes or so right after this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, Stuart McFarlane says, Tom, can you say YouTube Brigade three times fast? YouTube Brigade, YouTube Brigade, YouTube Brigade. <laughs> Just about. Just about. I nearly was I was nearly messing it up. It's a hard one to say over and over again. Okay. Um, let's go to uh, some of your comments and questions then. If you've got any questions, if you've got any thoughts and feelings about things that we discussed in this game, and uh, and we'll see what you guys are saying. G-Dog says, the office at work has Chelsea, Spurs, Liverpool fans, and the Liverpool fan is the only one not hating on me now because we're top of the league. I know everything. I know everything all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, look, the Chelsea and Spurs fans are never going to be the most uh, amenable to us Arsenal supporters, are they? I think we have to accept that at the end of the day. Yeah, Stuart, the answer is no. I can't say it three times quickly. <laughs> Ian says, I think Liverpool supporters are being insecure at the fact that with their supposed greatest era by Klopp only entailed singular Premier League success and it's dominated by City and Pep in the last seven years. It's a really good point, Ian, actually. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that, you know, the first time that Arsenal really become competitive, they got a great chance of potentially beating City to a title. But the whole point about Arsenal is establishing themselves. We don't want to do what Liverpool have done, which might to some people sound mad. What do you mean you don't want to do what they've done? They won a Champions League, they won the Premier League. No, they've made mistakes. Liverpool have messed up their opportunity to establish themselves at the top for a long, long time. And what Arsenal need to do this season is take what we have learned, take what we have built and establish it at the top of the Premier League table so that next season we're challenging. And the season after that, we're challenging. And the season after that, we're challenging. Now, we might not always win the league. <laughs> Sorry about that. But we might not always win the league. But the point is, is that we need to be competitive every single season. And that's what this whole process is about, is establish ourselves as dominant forces in football again. That's what we need to ultimately see. Um, Jason says, uh, would you settle for a draw tomorrow or is it all or nothing? All or nothing, mate. You've got to go for the win. 
Got to go for the win. Matt says, on a scale of 1 to 10, if we win the league, how insufferable do you think you'll be? I'm going to be a 12. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think there is a quantifiable number, Matt, to be honest. There's a lot of people that I'm going to be going back through some old comments. I'm going to be going and using the search function on my, twi- on my Twitter comments, on my YouTube comments. There's going to be a lot of uh, <laughs> searching for the people that said that this would never happen. I'm coming for you. Um, Chris says, uh, hey, Tom, uh, how would Douglas Louise have impacted our team if he had signed last year? Interesting question. Um, it's difficult to know because obviously we didn't bring in a centre midfielder in the summer um, and we obviously brought in Jorginho in January. I think we would have done pretty well with him in the team. You know, he's not a bad player. He's better than El Nenny. I think he probably would have fulfilled the role of Jorginho and maybe not too much more than that. Um, I don't think it would have been a mistake to bring him in. Uh, I don't think it necessarily was transformative of a deal to do. I think it just added the depth that we ultimately needed. Um, Temi says, why do people think Arsenal fans should be humble when they spent years humili- humiliating us when we were poor? That's just part and parcel of how the world works, Temi. Unfortunately, people don't really like when things come back to bite them. People don't really like that they've been laughing at Arsenal for years and then all of a sudden, Arsenal are looking very competitive. It's not very enjoyable for people. Um, if you can't if you can't accept the fact that the world of football that we live in includes a bit of banter, a bit of back and forth. I know that word banter is a really kind of it's not a great word. Uh, I don't particularly like using it. So I think unfortunately some people use a lot of terminology and then masquerade it as banter when actually it's a lot more than that. But in general term in genuine terms, a little bit of back and forth banter between supporters is part and parcel of what football is. And what Joel Bayer did on the show with Rio Ferdinand is just a little bit of fun. It's just the fun celebration police coming out again and telling you how you can and can't act, how you can and can't be happy, excited, and a little bit you know, irritating to your rival fans about Arsenal. It's Let's not let's let's not say that that's not the case um let's go to uh aaron says is it just me or did anyone else realize we can draw anfield the etihad and st james's park uh which are hard games and still win the league uh six six what <laughs> uh six wins uh come on you gooners <laughs> Even six wombs is a, is a mistake, as a typo. That's a hell of an autocorrect, Aaron. Um, but yeah, I did know that. And uh, I still think we need to be looking to try and win at Anfield because that'd be a massive, massive plus for us. Massive plus for us. Um, James says, will Agent Maitland-Niles and Walcott do us a favour today? Oh, I don't think you should get your hopes up, James. Oh, that's all I'm saying. Don't get your hopes up, mate. Uh, Ian says, I mean, football fans have the right to be delusional in support of their players and the club as much as they want. And that is part of fandom. They don't get paid by the club and yet they support it vehemently. Uh, great word. Yes, indeed. Uh, you, you can support the club whichever way that you like, as long as you stay within the bounds of what is um, socially acceptable. And what I mean by that is you're not abusive. You don't send tweets or you don't send criticism on players on their feeds and things like that because it's just weird first of all and it's just not constructive and second of all that you always want your team to win there is two things that stop you from being what i would describe as a, as a real fan and that is if you've ever wanted your team to lose so a manager gets sacked you can get in the bin quite frankly and secondly if you're abusive to other people you can get in the bin quite frankly so and that's the two things that for me as soon as you start doing those you're no longer an Arsenal fan. Uh, Yomi says, Tom, why are we playing? Why are we playing most of our games on Sundays? We are not in any other competitions. Uh, TV, mate. 
That's the only reason. It's TV. TV are putting us on Sunday so they can spread the, the title race across a weekend. So that's that's the reason why. Um, let's go to Mark says, Hey, Tom, uh, one of our major criticisms of Klopp is that he has remained too loyal to players no longer good enough. Is Arteta starting to make the same mistake with a player like Nelson? I think that there, Arteta has always been a, uh, a coach that has an, a loyalty factor to his management. That's why we've seen players maybe stick in the line a little bit too long sometimes. But if we re-sign Nelson, I don't think there's necessarily a downside to that because he just adds depth to the forward line. And to be honest, if you ask me, and Umar asked me this question yesterday, would I rather sign two midfielders or one midfielder and a forward? And I think I'd rather sign two young, really good midfielders than I would rather sign a forward. So keeping Nelson, not necessarily a bad thing, but it is dependent upon us going into the market and adding two really good midfielders uh, in the summer. I think that's that's what's ultimately going to be really key. Um, because obviously that's what Liverpool didn't do is they didn't they didn't improve their midfield like they should have done and that that really cost them. Um, let's go to a couple more before we wrap up. Um, ben says, who do you think our main target needs to be next season? Uh, Declan Rice, uh, it's other than Drew Bellingham, which I don't think we can get. So Declan Rice and Moises Caicedo. I'd love to see both those players come in. I don't think they'll happen. Um, but yes, old Lavia as well. I really like Romeo Lavia at Southampton. So Rice and Lavia, I think it'd be great options to bring in. Um, potentially adding a lot of quality and potential into the team as well. Um, Pranav says, haven't been following transfers for a while. Are we targeting any right wingers? Not really. Um, it's not really something that's on the radar uh, or that's been picked up publicly at the moment. So, yeah, very difficult um, to see if, if a right winger is going to come in, especially whilst they're doing these contract talks with with Reese Nelson. So uh, nothing has yet happened. So we'll have to wait and see. People are saying Zubamendi, Paulinho. The difference, the problem with Paulinho is that he doesn't really lower the what the age profile of the midfield. We've already got two players that are 30 plus now. Paulinho at 27, turning 28. I'm not sure that's the right age profile of midfielder that we should be looking to invest a lot of money into and it would cost a lot of money to get him. So I think we need to lower the age profile. Don't make the same mistakes Liverpool made. Go and get a player that's going to be able to be a midfielder for the next five to ten years, um, at least five, and that's Rice. And then you can go into the tens if you bring in a low 20s player like a Caicedo, somebody like that. I think that's the way forwards. Um I think we're going to end the show there. Uh, I've got a lot going on today and uh, I'd actually quite like to go back to bed for a little bit. Uh, I'm incredibly tired this morning. Uh, but thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate your time. And uh, do drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Do let me know if your thoughts on anything we've talked about today in the show down below uh, in the comment section, of course. So drop a like, subscribe if you're new. We're very close to hitting 46,000 subs. It means a hell of a lot that you're all here and all watching on a Saturday morning. Always a slow start, but uh, we've made it to the weekend. And tomorrow morning, of course, we'll be looking ahead to the game against Liverpool with, of course, plenty to talk about from today's Premier League as well. See you soon. Have a great day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. 
You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.